And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Monday, November 30th, week 12, just about behind us. We are getting ready for week 13, the final week of most fantasy football regular seasons. We don't want to totally shun all you week 17 championship people out there, especially since we've got one of you right here on this show, Brandon (laughs) Funston. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I feel like every week just prepares me more and more for week 17. So I think we'll be okay this year. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, right? It's a rolling season of 17 weeks. I didn't introduce myself. I am Michael Beller. Joining me and Brandon, as we do every single Monday, is Jake Seeley. Jake, what's going on on this Monday? (laughs) It's a fun, crazy, insane week. Uh, Let me ask you guys, though, something. Is 3 out of 5 or 2 out of 5 close? Is that close, in your opinion? What three out of five or two out of five? Yeah, I mean, I just you would not, without you would not context, call that I, close. When, without con- when I yeah. say I want to see somebody who faced Deshaun Watson, uh, who Antonio <laughs> yeah. Gibson, Antonio Derek Gibson. Henry, Tyreek Hill, and Will Fuller, and people send me a lineup with two of those guys and say this no. is close <laughs> to what you asked for. No, what, no. What, what do people not the understand? F- what close is? <laughs> the bar for close there is four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, these are the people that play with kickers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need you need four there. I play with kickers. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, you need four. Five obviously is what you asked for. Four is close. Three or less, you know, good try, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if seriously. you guys are like me though. I don't always go and check who I'm playing the week. Be- you know that I'm playing. I almost and- never do. So then I'm always kind of looking through my fingers as I click to open up the matchup, you know, mid-Sunday to see if I've, if I've taken that bullet or not. Kill anywhere? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was a, a crazy day. We were talking about it before we started recording here. You had a lot of nothing. It seemed like everyone either gave you a blah day or one of the craziest individual games that we have ever well, seen. Well, that's what we're I said about g- your boy, Beller. I said with how the day is going, Trubisky is either going to throw three interceptions and fumble one or <laughs> yeah. throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. He almost did both. <laughs> yeah, right. He really almost did both. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a, a very useful fantasy game out of Mitch Trubisky uh, with the three touchdowns. Uh, nowhere near that good of a real-life game. But, hey, fantasy, we'll take the production where we get it, and we got this, it. This is what I was saying. The Bears just needed ways. to go full Jameis Winston with Trubisky, and that's yeah, it's, right? it's on. Really game on. Just embrace that. Embrace. Yeah. I hope they embrace that for the rest of the season, especially the teams where I have Allen Robinson. Definitely hope that they just embrace that sort of team for the remainder of the season. Um, yeah, we did have some guys that we, need to, we should get into here. We did have some guys who fell in between those two extremes, uh, and, and those are the guys who I think 
provided us with the most interesting fodder for the remaining uh, remainder of the season. The first of those that I want to get into is Austin Eckler, you guys, someone we talked about on our Sunday morning show, The Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet. Be sure to check us out the remainder of the season, 11 a.m. Eastern on all of our internet channels. Um, Yeah, Eckler, we were talking about, is he going to be, we know he's going to be back. Is he going to be back in the way that we expect him to be? And he was, you guys, 14 carries for 44 yards, 16 targets for Austin Eckler in this game. Obviously, the script of this game had something to do with that. Caught 11 of them for 85 yards. But you look at that workload. You look at the rest of the Chargers' backs. They combined for eight carries. This backfield, without question, belongs to Austin Eckler. So, Jake, I'll just put out this flat, easy question for you. How excited are we about Eckler for the rest of the year? The 100 out of 100. It was surprising yesterday, and this isn't like, – you know, I say this a lot. This isn't like a victory lap. I was surprised at the amount of people – they were saying, thanks for ranking him inside the top 15. Thanks for what I was like. Again, it goes back to what we said on the show yesterday. It's like, if I have him, I'm starting him over mm-hmm. everybody that I could potentially find unless you're a locked-in RB1. And that included the Clyde edwards Alaires of the world. So, like, it's Austin Eckler. Yes, we. there is the risk that these guys only get five touches in their first game back. But nine out of ten times when we're talking about somebody of this level – the teams throw them right back out there and use them a ton. And I don't, I didn't check all the way down the sheet. I was kind of skimming it because I was busy this morning. Are we talking about Raheem Mostert? Yes, we are talking about Raheem Mostert. We so we'll save that. But <laughs> a very similar conversation there. And I, you had, like I said, 100 out of 100. You were, if you were tentative, you can't be now. Like there's, there's no holding back anything of putting him in your lineup as a must start. And I'm talking about must start as in he's in your lineup no matter what. Mm. Yeah, so if you watched him, he's definitely not 100% Eckler, but it didn't really matter. He got 16 targets, which is ridiculous, you know. Um, so I think the good here is that he has upside just in the fact that he's going to get in better football shape and get back and be a little bit more explosive. The running looked like he was just a little bit uh, labored. Um but I also think they probably won't throw to him nearly as much. I mean, there's the takeaway here is that the Chargers' offense looked terrible, and mm-hmm. um, they they'll probably have to change things up. But what you know, what Ecla- somebody it, said to me, Brandon, yesterday, what I what? tweeted out a GIF of John Wick saying, "I'm thinking I'm back about Austin Eckler." That's all it was, and somebody <laughs> said, "But this offense looks terrible. They need to stop taking the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands." He attempted 52 <laughs> effing passes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Take it I, out of his hands. I will say I agree with you with one thing, Brandon. I don't know if that's where you're about to go, but the Joshua Kelly usage made no sense. Like they were using him in Eckler type situations. So maybe to your point, that's where Austin Eckler's maybe 90% of what he is. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, I'm I'm not really making a point about Eckler. I think he's totally back and fine. And if he loses some targets, big deal. You're not going to get 16 every week. What, what are you going to get? 10, 9, 8? We'll live with that. Right, right. You know, <laughs> and, and and if the rushing upside, you know, improves, then it's fine. I think Herbert was maybe just due for a bad game, and that's what we saw. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 giddy about Eckler being back as well. So really, nothing more to say about that. Are we happy that that's a bad game for Herbert? Like- yeah. This yeah, one we're I think so. Three, yeah. three sixteen and one. That's a bad yeah. game for him at this point. Yeah, I think he'll absolutely take that as a bad game. I, I, you know, I, someone who I always thought I would always take whatever their bad game is and whatever was Alvin Kamara. And now I'm starting to get a little concerned mm. about that, guys. After two <laughs> games in the Taysom Hill starting era that we've seen, uh, this one, this past game, an easy win, a bizarre game. We knew that was going to be the case going in with Kendall Hinton being the quote quarterback for the Broncos, but. Uh, Not worried about what the Broncos did. Very worried about what the Saints did. Alvin Kamara had 11 carries for 54 yards. Just one catch 
for negative two yards now in two games in which uh, Taysom Hill has been the starter. He has two targets, one catch, negative two receiving yards. Meanwhile, Taysom Hill got two more rushing touchdowns. One was from one yard out. One was from two yards out. Hello, those belong to Alvin Kamara. Latavius Murray significantly involved again. Part, uh, part, part of the plan. Part just the way the game went with the Saints having the game pretty much in hand from the word go. 19 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns. I, th- I think it's time to get worried. Last week I was ready. I was willing to say it was an anomaly, and we still did see a very efficient game from Kamara, really, in both of these games, and he got in the end zone last week. But after two games with him seeding inside the five-yard line, carries to Taysom Hill and having virtually no receiving game role, I'm a little nervous about Alvin Kamara for the rest of the season. Are you joining me on that, Brandon? Yeah, and I, you know, I just uh, was editing Michael Salfino's scouting review column that he does, and he brought up a good point that you know, running the the RPO kind of offensive style, it's more conducive to a Latavius Murray type to compound between the tackles, and we kind of saw that play out. And if Taysom Hill is not going to be dumping the ball off to Alvin Kamara in the passing game, then yeah, we have a big problem here. I, you know, as if if you're a Kamara manager, you can't get Drew Brees back fast enough, and. Um, look at New Orleans is is getting lucky because the the slate in which Drew Brees went out is Atlanta, and then it's Denver with no quarterback, and then it's Atlanta again. And it, we're not going to get the validation that Taysom Hill, you know, is not a viable winning quarterback in in normal situations. And you know, Week 14, if he's still around at Philadelphia, that could be a reckoning for this offense just in general. But uh, you know, right now it's looking like Drew Brees is Week 15. Could be a rough, you know, kind of uh, low low upside run here for Alvin Kamara until Breeze is back. That's the concern is until Drew Breeze comes back because the mm-hmm. rushing is the same as what Alvin Kamara always gets. You know, it's usually around a dozen, and I think right. the only time that he even top 14 was way back in week four, and that was against the Lions. And uh, was Latavius Murray used much in that game? I don't remember. Um you probably do, Beller. You probably remember every single play that he was on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, so the rushings, that's not the concern. And it wasn't like he was the goal line guy. But, yeah, of course, Taysom Hills, similarly to what we keep comparing him to is Cam Newton, is that that's a concern for the backfield of anybody who plays with that kind of running back. Or wide <laughs> – I was about to say running back, wide receiver. <laughs> quarterback? Good God. Too many of these is. situations going around, hitting, screwing up everything. Um but it's the passing game. I, I think he's now firmly inside RB2 conversation, not even the RB2, not even RB1, but because you're only talking about a dozen touches per game and the majority of them all coming in the rushing side of things. So, yeah, it's you still have to put him out there. I don't see anybody who has him that can bench him at this point. Maybe if you have Eckler coming back and you bought low. I, I, just, I can't imagine a scenario where you're still benching Kamara, but until Breeze does get back, as Brandon said, maybe hopefully he returns a week 14 like he wants to. Uh, it's going to be bad news. And one stat to uh, drive home how different things have been for Alvin Kamara, and then we can move on here. His low score in half PPR scoring with Drew Brees healthy was 13.4 points. His average score of Drew Brees, 23.66. Two games with Taysom Hill, he's giving you 10.5 and 5.7 half PPR points. It has been a much different world for Alvin Kamara with Taysom Hill as the starter in New Orleans. Uh, Jake, you brought up uh, Raheem Mostert, so let's jump to the 49ers. We saw them get (laughs) healthy-ish, right? Uh, We know no George Kittle, no Jimmy Garoppolo, but the return of Mostert, Debo Samuel, and hey, we can throw Jeff Wilson in. In that win over the Rams, 23-20, a big win for the San Francisco 49ers. The stat lines, Mostert, 16 carries, 43 yards, touchdown, two targets, caught them both, 
they evened out for zero yards. Uh, Jeff Wilson also got 12 carries, 43 yards. Debo Samuel, the big game, 11 grabs on 13 targets for 133 yards. Uh, this, I think we all know the answer to this, but let's just drive it home. Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, these guys are in your lineup every week the remainder of the season, correct, Jake? 100%. You know, we talked about that on the yesterday show, too, and uh, we were asking this question, and that's what I said is that we've seen from Shanahan the only running back he's ever let us trust is Raheem Mostert. When it's Raheem Mostert's on the field, he's his guy, 100%. And yesterday in his first game back, I pulled up the numbers, 16 carries, which was 48.5% of the backfield carries, also had two targets, didn't catch either one of them. But Wilson had 12, a decent amount of usage. But again, it's his first game back. Mostert hadn't played since week six when he went 17 for 65 against the Rams, which is a tough matchup. So 16 carries and two targets in your first game back against the Rams, it's Mostert's backfield. There's somebody else will be sprinkled in. It might be less Jeff Wilson. It might be more Jarek McKinnon, depending on the matchup. But we can feel good until, you know, as long as Mostert's healthy, it's his backfield. Oh, good. You left me some some room to talk about Debo. Oh, yeah. Samuel, I mean, I just tweeted out I love Debo yesterday <laughs> yeah. with a gift from <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Friday. So, I mean, oh. you can have that. Gosh, I've been waiting a long time for Debo to get back in a lot of my, my leagues. And, and, man, it was glorious. But, listen, I mean, you look at the rest of the slate. I don't care if you see a tough matchup. Tredavious White, you know, coming up or whatever. You just face the toughest uh, you know, pass defense for a wide receiver. And, and Debo Samuel did it as the clear number one with Brandon Ayuk out. Jalen Ramsey, everybody, you know, pretty much knows Debo Samuel is the one guy there that's going to hurt him. And he had 11 catches and 133 yards. So uh, it's game on. I mean, he's a yak monster. Those those quick slants and stuff, he's just so dangerous. And he can just, you know, he's so hard to take down that I just don't see how you uh, consider benching him or, or not playing him. I think he's at least in the every week wide receiver two mix, but maybe even that's selling him a little bit short. Uh, yeah, I think he's right there too, and I think that that's someone who easily is startable or should be started for the rest of the season, someone who's more in the startable and maybe trending in that same direction. One of the guys who most caught my eye on Sunday was Jarvis Landry, someone who we've been waiting for quite a bit this season and just really hasn't been healthy since that off-season hip surgery. We saw him, I think, turn a corner in the Browns' win over the Jaguars in Week 12. 11 targets, caught eight of them for 143 yards and a touchdown. Day could have been even bigger if Baker Mayfield hadn't missed him in a couple of spots where he got open. You have a pretty, I don't know, maybe middle-of-the-road remaining schedule at Tennessee, then Baltimore, then at Giants, then at Jets. That's the next four games for the Browns. And without Odell Beckham, we know someone's got to be the number one receiver there. Landry really hasn't been healthy. It feels like he cemented himself or announced himself healthy and the number one receiver for the Browns going forward. Jake, what do you think that looks like for him for the rest of the season? Not like this ever again. I just think this was a pro <laughs> No, I really do. Like I think it was a product of the situation. It just was the day where... He was the guy that was getting open most consistently. I think that uh, there were some opportunities left on the field if you were watching, too. And mostly because you guys know I'm a Hodge fan, and I was watching it. Don't they both? Is it 82 and 12 between Higgins and Hodge? And it's always that's why I was watching so closely, trying to figure out which one was <laughs> wide open right. and he was ignoring. But that uh, why I chuckled is because you said miss some throws, and he also missed some wide open players. And it's not like I'm saying, hey, he should have went to Hodge or he should have went to Hooper more. But you watch that he just still has tons vision at times and for Landry's sake fortunately for him his tunnel vision was for Landry yesterday you mentioned it Titans yeah you feel good next week but 
Ravens, Giants, those two are considerable matchups that you have to be worried about at this point. The Jets, when you get in that championship week, you feel great about. But those two games in a row, I just don't know. I, I could see this being Landry top 25 against the Titans, not even relevant for two weeks, and then back to top 25 against the Jets. I just think it was more of a product of the matchup. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville had tons of injuries in the secondary as well. It was a really, it was a really great matchup. Like for, third string corners. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I mean, I just think you know, yeah, I think the injuries have been a have been a thing for him this year, and I, I think he can feel better about it if he just goes back to being the four to six catch. 60 to 80 yard weekly kind of safe play. I think that's good. What we haven't seen that this year. And that's something that he was one of the most consistent for that, you know, over the course of his career among all receivers. So I think you can feel better about him just giving you something, you know, high, high floor viability uh, week in and week out. And that's kind of all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for Jarvis Landry to give you eight, one forty three and a touchdown. Uh, that's just not really who, who he normally is anyways. Can, can you guys even name the second quarter that was out there for Jacksonville yesterday? <laughs> no, and I watched a good chunk of the game. Too. Luke Barku. L-U-Q. I only know that because I looked it up last night. There you go. I think it's important to keep in mind with respect to Jarvis Landry, and then we'll move on, that the worst season of his career was his rookie year with Miami 2014. He caught 84 passes for 758 yards and five touchdowns. So we've yes. never seen a nothing season from Jarvis That's Landry, true. the way that he was pacing this year. So I do think it's somewhere. Obviously, we're not going to expect eight for 140 and a touchdown, but I do think that at least we're going to get the guy who Brandon referenced, the four to six catch, 60 to 80 yard, you know, one third, 1.4 touchdowns per game sort of guy yeah. for the rest of the season. And the way and you could feel a little bit. That. You could feel a little bit more optimistic against the Giants because mm-hmm. the, the majority of his damage was out of the slot, and right. that's not Bradbury, so maybe. But again, the Giants have just been stronger overall. It's similar to the Panthers, better than people realize because of the perception of the team. Right, right, absolutely. And hey, first place, New York Giants now coming in <laughs> to Week 13. Uh, speaking of maybe better than people realize because of the perception, how about Kirk Cousins? Uh, he's QB 14 on the season, a little worse than that in points per game. But he's been one of the hottest quarterbacks over the uh, middle third of the season here. His last six games, 1,636 yards, better than nine yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns. He's got three three-touchdown games in that stretch, just four interceptions. A remaining schedule uh, of Jacksonville at Tampa, Chicago at New Orleans. So looks pretty tough, but uh, we did just see Chicago get totally run over by uh, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football in Week 12, a team that can't keep running on defense only. Uh, what's our trust level? for Kirk Cousins for the rest of the season. It just feels like this guy is unfairly maligned year in and year out. He did it without Adam Thielen yesterday. Give you another three-touchdown <laughs> game. I mean, where are we at on him, Brandon, for the rest of the year? Well, I'm probably going to have to start using him as my new uh, Rodney Dangerfield over Derek Carr. Oh, um, I've always, I've always kind of, you know, I've always kind of been that, you know, been kind of like trying to, you know, trump up uh Cousins as well as as someone who's being disrespected because he does always kind of finish in that mid-teens range at the fantasy quarterback position. He always gives you serviceable numbers. And I just think, you know, he's got he's added Justin Jefferson to the mix, but they're such a good run team and the ability to, to play off of that is going to always be able to work for him. He's going to have efficiency. He's just not going to always throw a lot. And that's, that's kind of the problem. You know, you look at his game logs, there's a lot of low 20s pass attempt games and it's kind of, you know, like I said about Cleveland, when they can run, they will run, and and that's going to lower his ceiling a bit. But I think as far as serviceability goes, that's always been Kirk Cousins' game. Yeah, I think the problem with Kirk Cousins is that we know it's it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
It's very similar. Is it can be this good, and it can be this good for a while, but similar to the Indianapolis game in week two, we know when it goes to hell, it really goes to hell, and that's the concern. You know, even the game against Green Bay, no interceptions, but only 160 and a touchdown on 14 attempts. They don't need them all the time. Uh, you know, if Dalvin Cook maybe is banged up, at, you know, maybe this week you see a little bit more, but maybe that hurts the offense more than it helps him. And I don't want to say I'm not throwing him aside, but similar, you know what? Similar to Derek Carr, similar to Tannehill and Fitzpatrick. All these guys are in the same conversation. Yeah, you ride it while it's hot, but any week while you're riding it, be ready for the roller coaster to come off the rack, the track. That's that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true, but I just felt like we needed to get him in here because uh, he's of been, uh, again, another one of those guys who, right, better than uh, the perception uh, that has surrounded him. So in week him, 13, in he's going to throw three yep. interceptions, and Derek Carr is going to throw <laughs> 350 and three touchdowns. Against Jacksonville, <laughs> against that Jacksonville defense we just talked about? That's who he's got in week 13. No, then never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in week 14 I mean, when you that, finally buy in and then you be, start him at Tampa in the first round well, of the playoffs. Say, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. Would that and not be anything more 2020 than that <laughs> as he goes belly up against Jacksonville and then goes Well, he be, might throw Tampa. 14 times against Jacksonville. I mean, that's, Yeah, that would be more the yeah. concern than anything. Another one of these big Delvin Cook games. Uh, we saw Nick Chubb get going. I have to imagine Delvin Cook is already excited for this matchup next week against the Jaguars. But let's put some respect on Kirk Cousins' name as we have just done right here. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, guys, it's a light week on the waiver wire this week. I do want to mention Devontae Booker. Uh, Josh Jacobs left the Raiders' loss to the Falcons in the third quarter with an ankle injury. Uh, we don't yet know, as we are recording this, how serious it is. Hard to know just how serious. Was it a serious injury? Was it the fact that this game was totally out of hand by the time Jacobs got hurt? Uh, you've got a remaining schedule here of Jets, Indy, Chargers, and Miami the next four weeks for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Devontae Booker has been the clear backup to Jacobs for a couple of weeks running here now. Uh, Jake, is this a situation where, assuming we don't have any new information, or obviously if we do get information that Jacob is going to miss time, you just emptying whatever fab you have remaining to get Booker on your squad? Yeah, well, Rappaport, shortly before we started this show, said that oh, it I looked it. worse than what it was, so we're still waiting on the test, as okay. you said, so people might yeah. already know by the time you're listening. But the Booker situation is, so it's two. there's two answers to this. The one answer is no, because it should have already happened. He should he shouldn't sure. be sitting out there. Uh, the second part is if he is, absolutely. And then actually here I'll give you a bonus third part. I'm sorry everybody Ooh. because my home league's trade deadline was last week and I traded for him. So there you go. Boom. That's exactly what happened. 
it's all trade my for fault. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I traded for Josh Jacobs. Yeah, it was a chase oh, for the man. playoffs, and yep, traded uh, because it's a keeper auction league. I traded away uh, who did I trade? Oh, J.K. Dobbins and somebody at a wide receiver for him, and yep, you, you, it's my fault, everybody. You ruined it all. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, hey, let's. Uh, yeah, so I think that's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good uh, sum up of where of where uh, Devonte Booker is. Uh, let's take a quick look at wide receivers here, and I, I want to look at this position through the lens of the New York Jets that are likely on waiver wires. Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims, they both turned in quietly useful games uh, again in Week 12. They both had eight targets. They both caught four of them. Perriman turned his four receptions into 79 yards. Mims, his four, into 67 yards. You've got a, a relatively friendly remaining schedule. They got the Raiders in Week 13. They're in Seattle Week 14. They're in L.A. to take on the Rams in Week 15. And then they return home Week 16 to play the Browns. I mean, with the way we've seen this offense going, it's going to be a team that throws the ball quite a bit for the remainder of the season. Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you here. Any interest in these two Jets as you know potential long-range receivers who actually do make some sort of impact in the fantasy playoffs? Mm, I don't know. I mean, look at Sam Darnold. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in his last four games. Um, it's just it's low upside. It's it's bench it's bench insurance. There's I mean. This is probably as good as you can hope for. 79 yards from Perryman, 67 from Mims. We know there will be games where Jameson, where Jameson Crowder and, and Darnold click and um, probably against my Seattle Seahawks in a couple weeks. But, uh, I, I mean, look, at, I mean, if, you're, if you're putting a jet receiver out there, you know what you're going to get or what, you're, what the you know, concern for. is there. I mean, it's just <laughs> there's high volatility. And um, you, now we're talking about three viable Jets receivers in this, in this environment. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a risky game going into your fantasy playoffs. But if you need, you, know, you need some bench depth, I don't have any problem with it. But hopefully, if you're going into the playoffs, you have a little bit better arsenal that you don't have to be forced to play these guys. All right, Jake, you want to you wanna differ in any way, or should we move on to what we got next up? No, just uh, the viable was a little bit of a generous word there. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got, uh, we do have a, we got some other running backs I want to talk about, but we're going to save that for an all-running back section a little later in the show. Uh, let's look at another team. How about the Tennessee Titans? Uh, the, uh, what I put down on our show sheet, the, quote, tough matchup part of their schedule is over. Their last four games, they've played Chicago, Indy, Baltimore, and Indy. They went 3-1. and one in that stretch. And again, you know, Chicago's not a great team, but a good defense that they went up against in that game. Uh, and so we're looking at four straight games against well above average defenses for this team in those four games. Just going to rattle off uh, the stats for the four primary fantasy guys on this team. You had Ryan Tannehill give you 785 yards, 7.7 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, just one pick. What we've come to expect from Ryan Tannehill in his time in Tennessee, 11 carries, 50 yards, one touchdown on the ground. Derrick Henry, he did exactly what Derrick Henry does. 482 yards, three 100-yard games, four touchdowns. The only team that got the better of him was the Bears. A.J. Brown, 13 catches on 26 targets, 282 yards, and three touchdowns. And hey, if you're in a league where you get points for that return touchdown that he had yesterday, all the better. And then Corey Davis, you know, pretty workman-like production in these four games. 13 catches, 19 targets, 250 yards. Basically, every single one of these guys in this tough stretch of schedule delivered as you expect them to deliver. And now the remainder of the season, Cleveland at Jacksonville, Detroit at Green Bay. We know what you're doing with Henry and A.J. Brown. Are you also feeling good about Tannehill and Corey Davis within their range of expectations? What do you got on these guys, Jake? 
Uh, not feeling good, mostly because the four defenses they're facing, uh, only Cleveland is middle of the pack against the run. The other three, Jacksonville, Detroit, and Green Bay, are top eight favorable matchups, including the number one most favorable and the number three most favorable matchups in Detroit and Green Bay for the championship weeks. And what we know about Green Bay is you got Jerry Alexander. I'm not worried about Detroit's pass defense or Jacksonville's, but Cleveland's is decent, better above average. So it's more so, I say all that because it's just going to be Henry season like it is every year when we get to December. (laughs) And, you know, the the December narrative is a narrative, but the schedule is 100% in favor of that narrative. And people are going to say, see, told you about December. No, it's just Derrick Henry wears down defenses. Defenses are tired in December. And now he's got the most glorious four game stretch of a running back you could ever see in December. So why I say I don't feel great about Tannehill and Davis is because they're not needed. You could just do Derrick Henry and then some A.J. Brown and just run through December, and that's why. Yeah, uh, really quickly, just the Baltimore and Indy games for Derrick Henry, They both of those teams lost two starters on the defensive line, including their best guy. So that right. that was he was got a little bit of you know wind at his back with that. But, I mean, the, the schedule upcoming for him is is not, uh, <laughs> not to be worried about. I'll say it's kind of like uh, Minnesota with um, – with Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's like it's going to be low volume for Tannehill. And we saw A.J. Brown make that work with big play touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But that's going to hurt Corey Davis more because he he's not an A.J. Brown type. He, he, you know, he needs a little bit more volume. And I just don't see it, and especially those last three games, Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay. Tennessee is probably not going to have to throw the ball a lot. Maybe the Green Bay game if Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay. Yeah. Green Bay could definitely push them to score. Yeah, but yeah, could definitely push them to score. The where I would concern. You just worry about whether Jay Alexander spends time on Davis or AJ Brown. I'd be obviously less concerned about AJ Brown, but dude, it's like, and he's out there running like for a freaking cosine on that route where he scored the touchdown. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> With the uh, so the the Saints and Broncos game this week had a runtime of like two hours and thirty nine minutes. Uh, that Browns high. Titans. Br- <laughs> right, Browns Titans. Is that going to be in that range with the way those teams can run the ball as effectively as they can? Honestly, against the yeah, fronts it might be. be. It might just be Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Derrick Henry. Right. In this, I mean, we're watching <laughs> the second half of another game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be like the the fastest game between two good teams that we've seen since like nineteen eighty. The Browns are solidly like in that. the playoffs right now. Oh, comfortably. And you look at their schedule. I mean, I think they're going to have a, a, a playoff berth wrapped up. Uh, it's not going to take them till week seventeen. Uh, to get there. And uh, you know who else is uh, maybe not solidly in the playoffs, but in the playoffs right now? New York Giants, first place in the NFC East, but they are now dealing with what is a crushing injury to Daniel Jones. Suffered a hamstring injury. Colt McCoy, the backup there. How concerned are you if Daniel Jones misses time for the fantasy relevant skill players? Wayne Gallman? I mean, you know, say what you will about Wayne Gallman. He has been a very things. effective fantasy player for you know, more than a month now. Evan Ingram, we saw get a big game. In week 12, with now Daniel Jones, I can't. how concerned should we be about these Giants, Jake? Not at all, because Colt McCoy is not that big of a drop-off to Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones, the fantasy relevance here is the quarterback alone. Like, you're not starting Colt McCoy. The reason you're starting Daniel Jones in some leagues is for what Nando loves him for, is the rushing upside, is because he continues to run. Yeah, so... Without Daniel Jones, you turn to Colt McCoy. He's going to be fine. Colt McCoy is not an enormous drop-off from what Daniel Jones was doing as a passing quarterback. That's what I, my takeaway here is Evan Ingram's still going to get his. Certainly Shepard's still going to get his. Uh, 
our guy, uh, I, I, I always screw up his last name, Dan Dugan, finally got it right while I was thinking about it, <laughs> was saying that there might be something wrong with Darius Slayton because this is now two weeks in a row where he hasn't even been on the field the entire time, so he might be masking an injury or something like that. But Ingram and Shepard and Goldman still going to be the lead option, and he's, all he does is score touchdowns now because he's the constant goal line. They pulled the Nick Chubb. They went for it four straight times, and he got it on fourth down yesterday. That so, was awesome. Yeah, I, the big three, quote-unquote the big three, that being Ingram. Ingram, Shepard, and Goldman. I'm not worried about it. If Slayton can get out there, that would be the one concern is maybe the arm difference, but it's not like Daniel Jones was amazing at downfield accuracy anyway. So I'm not that concerned, honestly. Yeah, nothing more to add. I was going to say the Slayton's the one that you would worry about just mm-hmm. because, I mean, I think Colt McCoy's YPA over his last 100 attempts is like 6.5. It's not good. So uh, you would think that short and intermediate range guys would be okay, um, like Jake said, and Darius Slayton might have more of a problem than just Colt McCoy, so we'll see. Yeah, it is crazy how Daniel Jones oh. has just taken no step forward. Darius Slayton was the season. other part of that trade. There you go. Boom. You're welcome, everybody. Oh, beautiful. We brought it, we brought it full <laughs> circle and figured out what Jake gave away for the pleasure of jinxing Josh. No, no, no. He's the one that came back, too. I got Slayton back oh, in that deal, oh. too. Yeah. Well, beautiful. So no, so you've got neither so of them, then. I, if everybody out there, I'm just going to start telling you my trade so you can trade away the guys I brought in. <laughs> Stay away. Stay away at all costs. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, here's that running back section that I was talking about. We've got a lot of running backs I want to get to. We'll try to get through them relatively quickly because we've talked about some of these guys quite a bit. I'm going back to the Jonathan Taylor training here, guys, and I'll explain why. Jonathan Taylor obviously did not play in the Colts' loss to the Titans because he's on the COVID-19 reserve list, but I call this game an endorsement in absentia for Jonathan Taylor because he saw Naeem Hines get 10 carries for 29 yards, Jordan Wilkins 6 carries for 22 yards. They were in a negative game script pretty much all game here, but still, neither of these guys ran away with anything impressive in the Colts' backfield. It makes me feel like we have an even better chance of seeing that confirmation game from Jonathan Taylor when he returns. We expect that to be in Week 13 against Houston. And you look at this schedule the rest of the year, Houston, Vegas, Houston, Pittsburgh. That Pittsburgh game scares you. Those first three certainly do not. So how are we feeling? Once again, checking in our weekly talk about Jonathan Taylor. How are we feeling about him here, Jake? Uh, I was going to let Brandon go for this one because I went so long on the Giants. I'd say, <laughs> All right, how are we feeling on this, Brandon? I'll, just, I'll yeah. just put it here. I'll give you the quick version. No different. Yeah, I mean, look at you're right. I think the saying the uh, endorsement absentia is a great call. I mean, Jordan Wilkins is the one you'd have to worry about, right? Because we were not. I mean, this was basically the hierarchy when Taylor went out. Taylor was one, Heinz two, Wilkins three, and 
neither of them stepped up, but Wilkins only got six carries with Jonathan Taylor out of the game. That's great. You know, so you talk about the schedule. It's ideal. Jonathan Taylor should come back and get the first opportunity to be the hot hand guy, quote unquote. And against Houston, man, that's you couldn't ask for a better matchup. Vegas and Houston again, like Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. a little bit of a concern, but that's a championship game. You'll deal with that. Uh, You'll take that problem if you can get it. This is what you've been waiting for all season with Jonathan Taylor. Fits and starts, more fits than there have been starts. But, man, I think we're I think we're going to see a nice little run here out of Jonathan Taylor after what we did not see Naeem Hines or Jordan Wilkins do with the opportunity they had against the Titans. Let's go to our next favorite guy in this discussion, Ronald Jones. Nine carries for 66 yards. He had a 37-yard rushing TD on what was his only target in the game. Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette doing what Leonard Fournette has done all season. Three carries, 10 yards, three catches, 10 yards. The fact that they used Ronald Jones at all in the passing game, I think, is a big arrow up for him. This game obviously got out of hand with Tyreek Hill setting records in the first quarter, and the Buccaneers basically had to be in full-on pass mode. I know, I know, I know that we are never going to trust. We're never going to use that word with Ronald Jones or any Bruce Arians back until something changes. But is Ronald Jones no. a default starter? Are you assuming that he is in your starting lineup? No, Jake? No. There's too many options. The only two – look, actually, you can't this week because he's on a bye. Ha-ha. On a bye. But <laughs> after that, there is zero, 100%, whichever way you want to skew it, difference. I have him on that team that's hopefully in the playoffs – and I have James Conner, a potentially banged up Josh Jacobs, and I can't think of the other third running back. Oh, jo- James Robinson. So, that, But those other two. I would start a banged up Josh Jacobs and a banged up James Conner before I put Ronald Jones in my playoff lineup. I'm not doing it no matter what. I have to think if you're in the playoffs. Because, again, you don't get them this week. So if you're in the playoffs, you have to have better options. I will say that uh, here's what I will say. He will be in my top 20 running backs in every remaining game that he plays through week 16. <laughs> no. Are you yeah. wait wait? Are you doing Minnesota, that because Atlanta and Detroit? It might be schedule. nineteen or twenty, but he was in. He was right there this this past. Are you week doing as well. it as the DJ Moore, where I said I'm just ranking him twenty and I don't care anymore? Or are you doing that because you legitimately think he's top twenty? Uh, sort of, sort of a little bit more the um, DJ Moore, but. I'm just gonna I'm gonna trust my eyes on this. We're we're you know we're 12 weeks into the season. Ronald Jones is a more talented player than Leonard Fournette. Nobody's denying that. I no, trust I know, my eyes I know, when I, I see th- who's I think the coach Eric, on the sideline. <laughs> but I think, Eric, but the, the here's the deal. Leonard Fournette is not giving them that much juice in the passing game. I just don't know that they're going to continue with this Leonard Fournette is our passing down running back and, Ro- and Ronald Jones is our running running back I, I think Rojo's kind of starting to infringe on Fournette's mm-hmm. job there and becoming more of the fuller featured running back and I man with those matchups okay I think that's going to continue no, not like not trying to got you like whatever like serious question here like I just what's the difference between this and earlier in the season when we played the same dance and also when Leonard Fournette was hurt and I only asked that Brandon because that was the point that you brought up earlier this year about we've already done this with Jonathan Taylor. You said he's already got his 20 carries and we've already gone around this circle. So I'm not saying, again, I'm not trying to catch you being like, ha, ha, ha. I want to know the difference, why you, why it's different for you, because it feels the same to me. Well, to me, it's like there was a, a point a couple of weeks ago when, when Rojo fumbled that ball early. <laughs> and they stuck with him, and he and he went gangbusters. And it's it's that Leonard Fournette had three drops last week. And I said, oh, I bet you we'll see a little bit more Ronald Jones in the passing game. And then Ronald Jones went out and made 
a a play in, in the passing game where he made that yes. move along the sideline that God, Leonard Fournette can only dream of making a play like that. <laughs> like, and I just think that there is just going to be this preponderance of the evidence that Bruce Arians is going to say, you know what? We've been we've been shaky. We're going to get our best players on the field for this remaining slate, and it's not a good slate. They're I mean, playing a bunch of softies, so this could be a whole whole bunch right. of Ronald. Jones I mean, I, I think it's the same. And I see. I mean, it was two targets, one catch, and everybody just remembers the one catch and that. Yeah, but the one out. catch was an incredibly impressive and, play. But so we've again. But this is the same thing everybody says all the time. It's like, are we really going that hard into Cam Akers and trusting him when the bulk of his carry, like the bulk of his day, came on that one carry? Like that's you could do it with Zach Moss. Zach Moss was having a miserable day outside of that one giant carry. So again, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you know, for everybody out there listening, if you want to side with Brandon, if you want to side with me, but this is why I'm not doing it. I'm not playing this game. Leonard Fournette still got three targets in this game. I don't disagree with you on the. Ronald Jones talent. I didn't disagree with anybody on the Jonathan Taylor talent. It's just it feels very similar to me. So the yeah, I'm on the same. I'm not putting. I, Ronald I just Jones out there. I, I'm just saying that I will rank him as a top twenty running back. He's I mean he's like what is he like RB twelve or thirteen in points per game on the year or something like that. I'm like I'm not really. I know he's you know he's there's volatility there, but I just don't know. I think it's a DJ Moore thing where you can't really drop him too far down right. because you. So risk. that's what I'll do. Then it's Pat Mayo to steal from him. He is in worst place for me. You can rank him wherever the hell you want. He's in worst place. <laughs> <laughs> half point half point PPR scoring uh Ronald Jones is the RB9. I know. Season. But the last 5 games 6.6, 26, 2.4, 17. Like that's that's DJ Moore is a good compare again. That that's why I'm not yeah. doing it. I'm not I don't want to sit there in week 14 and watch that 3.3 hit my lineup. All right, well, do you want to talk about Cam Akers since you brought his name up, since you invoked his name? No, it's like, hundred, like the people re- read my waiver column. They know <laughs> that he, they are in Patriots games, and I don't know, this doesn't change anything for me with Cam Akers. You want to put him out there? What, Be my guest. This, what would your running back situation have to look like <laughs> to want to start Cam Akers? Uh, my uh, RB1 would have to be Ronald Jones. <laughs> I think your running back situation would have to include the two guys that you want to talk about next, and then you might consider <laughs> Cam Akers. <laughs> I mean, it's, right? I mean, they're not going to go away. Daryl Henderson's not going away. Malcolm Brown's not going away. You want to believe that you see a guy make a play like Cam Akers did on that uh, sixty-one yard carry, and like, all right, maybe he'll get a little bit more run. But I, it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen for him uh, the way that things I do think are happening for Ronald Jones. Like Brandon said, the preponderance of the evidence has to be there that he is the best back. And he has built up some capital and some goodwill in Tampa in a way that Cam Akers hasn't and hasn't had the opportunity, you know, in his defense to really do in L.A. So I understand why he doesn't quite fit in there, but... I don't know. I would love to see a little bit. I think we'd all like to see a little bit more work for him. Probably not something that we are going to see. But yes, Brandon, you do the next two guys that we talked about here, <laughs> Brian Hill and Frank Gore. People are going to be talking about it. Right? This is as bad of a week as it is for the waiver wire. People are still going to be thinking about these two guys on the waiver wire, even though Brian Hill got scooped up quite a bit uh, with the fact that he was starting in place of Todd Gurley in week 12. He had 13 carries for 55 yards. Don't really worry about Ito Smith. Ito Smith did so much of his damage, including the touchdown once that game was well out of hand. And Frank Gore, you know, he's still churning out these 70-yard from scrimmage, 80-yard from scrimmage games where he has that foundation. If he punches in a touchdown, you're talking about an RB2 day. So if you had to have one of these guys for the rest of the season, which some people out there might have to, who would you rather have here, Brandon? 
Uh, well, do we know how long-term this Todd Gurley knee injury is? I mean, We do not, but it's a Todd Gurley knee injury. Right, exactly, and this is kind of what we were worried about. I'm going to take Brian Hill, and he's probably going to have Ito Smith eating into his workload, but you look at Atlanta, they get 3.6 red zone attempts per game, and the Jets are last in the league at 2.2. There's just no touchdown upside for Frank Gore. There's the touchdown upside with Brian Hill. They might, you know, they might both be guys that turn out a bunch of 13 for 40, 50-yard games but I'll take the guy that might have a chance to score a touchdown. And if you're thinking over Todd Gurley's role, we've seen how that works out in terms of touchdown scoring in this Atlanta offense. Yeah, I'm actually taking the opposite because my concern, and no, I did not rank him near Brian Hill. Brian Hill was like at 23, but Edo Smith was around 35, 40 for me. That's my concern is the Edo Smith, and it's not just the carries because I know some people will argue, well, they're up and in control, so maybe it's not Edo Smith as much in the future. But even throughout the carries, Five targets, four receptions, Brian Hill, one target, zero. Like, Ido Smith was already the passing game option in that game before it got out of control. I just, I think this is a 50-50 split backfield based off of one game. This, again, I'm going before that game got out of control. I was watching Mm -hmm. a good amount of that because of Josh Jacobs, obviously. And the (laughs) one thing I say, like, I hate that we're starting Frank Gore. I hate it. Adrian Peterson, I joked. I said, Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore are both inside the top 30 this week. What is 2020 doing to us? Like, but... 18 carries. Nobody else had more than two. And one of those people were Sam Darnold. That backfield is his. I know it's the Jets, but this is the one argument where I continue to go to a lot of times is I'm going to take the guaranteed volume when it's close. And in my opinion, this is close. You might not agree it's close, and that's where we would differ. But when I get the guaranteed volume, I'm taking it. All right, guys, one more running back situation I want to talk about before we turn our eyes to the Week 13 stream. This is just something that, you know, I was just thinking about these two players, how they represent really polar opposites of the running back position in 2020. The first, the good James Robinson, a guy who pretty much no one except for our former colleague, Emery Hunt. Check him out on CBS. The guy is great. Check him out on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Knows the game inside and out, and he was beating the drum for James Robinson even before the Jaguars let go of Leonard Fournette, and then he was beating it very loudly once they did let go of Leonard Fournette. We all know what James Robinson has done this season. He is going to be on a lot of regular season champions, maybe on a lot of championship teams with the return on investment he has provided this year. The opposite end of that, Ezekiel Elliott, I think the truest bust of the 2020 season. At least Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey, at least they have injuries to explain uh, their failure to deliver on what their draft status was. Ezekiel Elliott has been out there all season and just frankly hasn't come anywhere near his expectations. So these two guys, the polar opposite, let's just take a fun little look forward into 2021. Who do you think's going first on draft day? Who you got here, Brandon, James Robinson or Zeke? Oh, for 2021... I'm still going to go Zeke. I think I think he's met. I mean, I think Dak Prescott being back will be huge. An offensive line uh, that comes back around will be huge. I, I I think James Robinson for this year for sure easily. I mean, James Robinson's doing what we loved about Ezekiel Elliott, which is getting you ten plus fantasy points and half PPR every week practically, with with like one exception. So. Um, but for next year, I, I, I think it's back to, to Zeke. I would take a Dak Prescott offense over whatever, you know, Jacksonville ends up with. If it's Justin Fields or, or whoever. But I think that's going to be the thing that kind of keeps Robinson down below Elliott. And Elliott's just messed up in the head with this whole season. I mean, the, what is it? Five, five fumbles lost, a whole bunch of drops. I mean, he's just kind of it seems like he's a little bit checked out or a little bit messed up with how everything has gone this year in Dallas. But I expect that 
coming into the next year, uh, you know, he'll be in a different mindset. Recency bias, too. I am with you on Zeke because through the first five games with Dak and actually including the sixth game, the first game without Dak, you know how many touches Zeke had as a floor? 20. He had 20-plus in all of the six first games. He had 12-plus fantasy points in all of the first six games. He was RB1 through the first five games. And yes, some of it was touchdown reliant, but he also had 96 rushing, a buck 20 total, a buck 20 total, a buck 20 total. Like, he was fine. And then lost Zeke and everything went to crap. And for the fumbling thing for everybody out there, I made the comparison last week. He's still averaging fewer fumbles per touch than Adrian Peterson did for his career. And Adrian Peterson is one of the best running backs of all time. Fumbles are overrated, but it's recency bias. And I recency bias for two reasons, because the fumbles and everything that happened in Washington was a letdown. But recency bias the opposite direction, because after week 11, everything was, oh, everything's fine. He's he's Zeke, 21 carries, 100 yards. I guess everything's fine. And yet we're back to the exact opposite. So you're right, Beller. It is a huge discussion, but it shouldn't be a huge discussion to the where that people are making it. They are close in next year's draft. They should both be first rounders, but I would still take Zeke with healthy Dak. All right, yeah, fun look ahead for what? Uh, what's this? It's uh, December basically here, so that was a, a look ahead about eight nine months. Let's look ahead one week at the week thirteen stream. We do have two teams going on by our last two buys of the season. Those belong to the Buccaneers and the Panthers. We got Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater going on a buy here. And guys, really no shortage of solid options. All of these guys, 40% or less rostered in a Yahoo League. So if you do need to stream a quarterback, you've got plenty of choices here this week. Uh, Jake, (laughs) why don't you take uh, your first crack out of here? Brandon already anointed his uh, new Derek Carr as Kirk Cousins. So that's (laughs) right. He's done. I'll go, I would say, a little bit better, uh, probably similar match. I'm going to go Phillip Rivers. Like He's one that I think that we could have the same conversation about. At Houston Kirk is the matchup there. Yeah, yeah. at Houston, Phillip Rivers has been Phillip Rivers of old. A couple of years ago, Phillip Rivers, where he used to be one of the most disrespected fantasy players, because all he would do is finish as, he was averaging QB7 finish. It was just top 10, around 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 every single year, and nobody ever wanted Phillip Rivers. And I know that because I own Phillip Rivers year after year after year after year because of that. So it's going to be Phillip Rivers for me. I think he's in the same conversation as Kirk Cousins. And I'll tell you what, though, if Gardner Minshew is back, it's definitely Gardner Minshew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just a ton. Like you mentioned it. I, I I would say definitely Kirk Cousins. I mean, but I'm looking at a list that you have here on our script. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do we know it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick over two? Two out for sure? That yeah, injury Miami is so was saying, weird. Yeah, bef- yeah, they were saying before that game that it could be a multi-week. I would I would assume it's going to be Fitz at this point. But again, it, Nando brought this up now three weeks ago on the Thursday show that we do. He said he missed practice and nobody's really talking about it. And we were certain, like, nobody was talking about it. And then last week it was like, oh, his hand's a little bit messed up. And it played nothing, worried about it. And then all of a sudden it's like it's progressively going worse. And I yeah. don't know if this is an excuse to keep him out of the lineup or whatever, but it's it's a weird situation. Yeah, most definitely. But if it's Fitzpatrick against uh, the Bengals at home, I'm jumping on that one as well. So oh, yeah. That's, no, yeah. no shortage. I mean, God, even as bad as he was, I like Derek Carr against the Jets this week. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Look, we got to we got to say this is an anomaly on his season, other than the monsoon against Cleveland or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just no shortage of guys you can plug in this week. Brandon, really will, you do nice a, week. will you do a Derek Carr, Darren Waller DFS lineup? <laughs> <laughs> do it. I will not. I live Run in Washington. With, sorry, run it I can't back do with it. Frank Gore on the other side. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, guys, let's take a look at our defenses to stream in week 13. Not quite as many good options that we have at the quarterback position. Brandon, do any of these teams jump out at you? Not really, but honestly, with I'm looking at the Chargers at home against New England. That New England offense just doesn't put up points. Joey Bosa can make plays. We saw that against Buffalo. So I don't think the Chargers are a terrible option to plug and play. Stop highlighting and unhighlighting. <laughs> oh, sorry. You watching that? <laughs> Sorry, that's just like doodling. That's doodling on the, the Google Doc. <laughs> People don't understand. I'm on the Google Doc looking at the script, and I'm just like taking. I'm my trying to read them, and you keep like it's like highlighting, highlighting, highlighting pink on my highlighted, highlighted pink on highlighted. Stop. <laughs> All right, did it, did you were you able to focus so you could pick a team here, Jake? Yeah, I, I could definitely <laughs> pick a team here. I, I'd say it, it's not a great week, honestly. So yeah, what I'll a- go for is the team that could push it, and we talked about earlier. So as awful as Tennessee can be at times, I'll take the opportunity for some Baker interceptions. Yeah, I think that makes sense. man. That's what we're looking at a lot at this position. right? It's not necessarily the defense. It's like you're streaming against an offense more than you are streaming right. a defense in a lot of these situations. So that definitely has been uh, a, a, way, a strategy that has paid off this season. Baker has been a little turnover prone, and that should be a game where um, a big game for both teams going into that at 8-3. and three. So a big spot for the Browns as they look like they're headed to the playoffs and a big spot for fantasy owners headed into what is the final week of the regular season in most leagues. We are going to be here with you all week on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast getting you ready for your Week 13 matchups, but we have to say goodbye for this episode. Our deal that started on Black Friday, a $1 per month subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod and just follow the prompts from there. For Jake and Brandon, I am Michael Beller, Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, back with you on Tuesday. Nando Dofino and Chris Vaccaro, the three of us back with you on Wednesday to talk some Week 13 rankings. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and enjoy Monday Night Football between the Eagles and the Seahawks, especially you, Brandon. We'll talk to you later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.